You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. So welcome to another episode of Payments Innovation. Um, I'm your host, Richard Arundel, and today I am joined by Ryan Cochran from Lemonade Finance. Ryan, good to have you on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good um, to be here. Listen, we'll start as we start most of the shows um, by by giving you the chance to kind of introduce yourself, but importantly, introduce the business of, of Lemonade. Certainly. So as you said, um, Ryan Cochran, I'm co-founder at Lemonade Finance, the other co-founder being Ridwan Olalera. Um, and at Lemonade Finance, we're building a digital bank for immigrants living in North America and Europe. And maybe let's take us to the journey. So you, uh, you started in Canada, started the business in Canada? Yeah, that's right. So we we actually started by, you know, I think one thing within payments and fintech and, you know, any any industry really that's regulated is you've got to start first by becoming compliant. So pursuing licenses, pursuing all the infrastructure that you need to be able to support the business. And so we ended up launching and going live first in Canada, not necessarily because we saw Canada as being more strategic than any of the other markets, but more just because we were authorized in Canada first. And we had a product that we were ready to introduce into the market and had some of the infrastructure in place to begin to, you know, test and build a product. And if we take a step back and maybe look at the the background and the journey of of, of you and, and the other founder, um, I mean, you haven't been in this industry really at all right? in, in your background. You've got a, an interesting, and, and you've been all over the world, right? I think you said you're now in Norway, you've been in South Africa, you've been in Nigeria. I think you, you were in the, the the betting industry. So talk me through kind of what led you to setting up a, a kind of neobank. Okay. So I think that goes back to, so yeah, let's back, back, backpedal maybe four or five years. Um, really, once I moved to Norway, as you mentioned, I'm an American, I live in Norway. I've been in Norway for close to 15 years. And much of the time that I lived in Norway, I worked for Opera Software, which is um, a Norwegian web browser that's now listed on the NASDAQ actually. And after about five years into my time at Opera, I think it was 2016, the browser assets were acquired and taken out of what the rest of the business was, which was kind of mobile networking and these, these kind of things, mobile ad networking. And it was acquired by a Chinese consortium and their whole vision for Opera was to not only grow the browser business, but let's see if we can leverage the 300 and 350 million users that they had mostly in emerging markets to see if they could expand into other verticals. Those other verticals were primarily fintech. And so my role changed at that time where I became, I was the director of finance at Opera, but really my entire focus was spearheading the, you know, expansion of the new financial operations in this fintech space. And most notably within that sort of set of fintech companies that we set up at the time within Kenya, Nigeria, India, Mexico, was Opay in uh, Nigeria. Opay uh, now being, you know, a $2 billion fintech. It, you know, I was there as the first director of financial operations. My co-founder was there as the first director of product. And we worked together there quite closely. And that's really where I think we got most of our background and experience in fintech. But, you know, there was other, you know, we, we were always sort of consumer product focused. He, he was one of the first senior engineers at Flutterwave. He was a country manager at Uber for a period of time. And so we, you know, we merged at 
OPEI, and that's really where we got to know one another and how we even um, got our first real experience within, you know, um, consumer payments and fintech. So then that takes you on to kind of today, and, and I'm always interested when I speak to kind of founders of, of kind of looking at the why and, and the purpose behind the business. And mm. so we've kind of looked at kind of Lemonade and we'll, we'll come on to actually kind of the, what, it, what it does and the challenges you're, you're attacking. But what kind of led you or you two to kind of come together and say, you know, what, we need to set up a business here? Yeah. You know, I, again, I think going back to our OPE days and much of what, you know, a handful of us were doing in Opera at that time was we were effectively startup founders that would go into these countries and create businesses. We would obtain the licenses. We would develop the business to get the infrastructure and the partnerships needed to support whether it was lending or mobile payments in, in a country. And we began to say, you know, why don't we find a way to do this for ourselves, right? We've been doing it. We've been doing it fairly successfully. You know, why don't we try and find a challenge and a problem that we can begin to solve for on our own? And that's where um, sort of the origins of of Lemonade were rooted because Reed One and I, as we worked more and more closely together, we saw a lot of this cross-border payment challenge that existed with, with on the continent of Africa and there are people solving for that. And we, we began to look even at just, you know, making digital bank or neo-banking services on the continent, but really Africa is becoming more and more a crowded space today. There are neo-banks popping up everywhere. There's infrastructure plays popping up everywhere. And there's a lot of people doing it very well already. And so we actually ended up zooming out on the problem a little bit, wanting to, you know, focus on emerging markets in some way, but knew that there was this space outside of Africa that was still very much focused on the diaspora or, or Africa itself to, you know, and, and, it, and there was a challenge there we found and believed that really wasn't being solved for up to this point, which was building sort of a financial services platform that solves the challenges of immigrants now living abroad who need to continue to interact with their country of origin in a number of different ways. And, and it's not just even emerging markets and the immigrants that originate from emerging markets that have this problem. As an American living in Norway, there's certainly challenges that I even face trying to interact between the Norwegian crown and the US dollar. And so you can, you can only imagine how even more complex that can become if you also need to interact with a Kenyan shilling or Ghanaian CD or a Nigerian Naira, some of these more exotic, less liquid currencies that, um, you know, people still have a lot of interest in and need to sort of interact in, but don't have any easy way to do that today. And I think what's interesting in, in the approach, and you know, we've talked about this um, previously, is that there's, there's, there's a quite a few companies who look at kind of the pure money movement, the pure remittance part of, of kind of a full stack kind of a neo-banking solution, and maybe focused on the kind of consumer remittances, you know, sending money back home to family. You've taken, I guess, a, a slightly wider view of this and said, well, actually, we, we, we don't just want to become this remittance firm, but actually the, the, the challenge, as, as you said, is you know, off-continent, full-stack kind of banking services. So you talk about kind of what the offering of kind of Lemonade, Lemonade looks like now, and then you know, the, the kind of medium to long-term outlook of, of where you're going. Certainly. So today, if you look at us and what's driving most of our transactions, they're certainly remittance is a big portion of that, but not only remittance into Africa, but we also want to uh, enable users to be able to move money off the continent as well, whether you're from Kenya or Ghana. And that's a challenge that is, is, is not really being solved for today. 
And that's important too, because you know most people, as they move away from the continent, they do have wealth on the continent that they would like to bring with them, but oftentimes can't because it's locked in currencies that sometimes either are difficult to move or it's just difficult to swallow the loss that you're going to take as you move it off the continent. And so we started with remittance for a number of different reasons. One, it just made sense with you know the licensing infrastructure that we had in place at the time. But also, if you think about what any bank is in the back end, so once you look beyond what the user sees and what you look beyond what the product looks like, is really it's a company that has to be efficient in moving money from one place to another, one user to another, one point to another point. And so remittance actually, in a lot of ways, will be, that can be domestic remittance, that can be international remittance, that can be peer-to-peer, whatever, is in a lot of ways the engine that drives our back end. And so we wanted to do remittance to begin because it was important for our users, but it's also important for the company as a whole. So do remittance and do remittance well, but really remittance as a profit center or as a revenue driver for us, ultimately, it's going to be a race to the bottom. We feel, you know, as long as there's going to be a margin there, there's going to be people who are going to be, you know, trying to uh, take a piece of that margin and, and ultimately cut it to, 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 cut, to take a piece of that margin. So really, we want to pursue, you know, as you've mentioned, this full-on, full-stack financial services platform, which at its core will resemble in a lot of ways a bank. And that's where we're moving towards most immediately is we want our users and ourselves to just be be seen as this banking solution, which multi-currency accounts, you know, today, if you are in Canada, you open up uh, a Lemonade account, you know, you're originally, you're in, um, immediately given an account, not only in Canadian dollars, but a, an account in the, the, the currency of the country in which you originate from. And we manage the interactions there. We'll soon be begin to issue cards and um, sort of, once we get to that point, that'll, I think, provide this core banking platform where we're seen more as a neo bank as opposed to just a, a money mover remittance company. And then from that point on, we have a lot of ideas and how we would like to continue to differentiate ourselves. You know, one thing that we really want to have focus on is helping the the person establish themselves in their new country uh, of residence, whether you come from Africa or you come from South Asia or Latin America, really the challenges are the same. You come to a new country. um, It's difficult to interact with the currencies that are important to you. It's difficult to establish um, credit. It's difficult to even open up accounts, you know, just when you first arrive, make that simple and then continue to add value added services on top of that, um, that just make the product more and more, uh, interesting to our user base. And not wanting to put, I guess, more on your plate because you're talking about, you know, for, for a good reason, right? We, we went back to, in terms of the launch plan, the rollout, it started, it all starts with compliance and where you can get kind of regulatory approval and, and Canada and, and recently the UK. And to build out that kind of fuller stack, let's call it, um, kind of neo bank is going to be, um, you know, a big piece of work, especially, I think, as you mentioned earlier, with the challenges of the the illiquid nature of some of those currencies. And I'm guessing other financial services, there might be you know, similar kind of barriers to entry as, as you kind of um, attack that market. But obviously that's, you know, that's, I say just, that's just Canada and the UK, but what, what's kind of next? Are you, are you looking at going deeper in the areas where you currently, currently have regulation or are you also looking at 
kind of other areas and, and attacking the regulations so you can go in with you know, remittance product first and then layer on more more products yeah so we started certainly you know in the uk we have a small payment institution license right there's not a ton you can do there but we'll partner immediately initially to cover the rest but we um but we are pursuing an emi in the uk already we'll certainly pursue an emi in mainland europe as well that's in the works the us is another tough nut to crack partner first but you know we um we already have plans to to uh, attack the 50 state licensing requirement in the us so so definitely i mean i think for us when you get into uh money transmission and you're whether you call yourself a money service business payment institution a money transmitter they're all kind of the same um you know if you're going to do that domestically in any country uk Canada, the US, mainland Europe, or just sort of keep it within the family there, sort of in the Western world, you're going to, going to find that there are a lot of players that are willing to interact and engage with you. But as a money transmitter that, um, one, as a money transmitter, and two, as a money transmitter that in, interacts with emerging markets, there are a lot of red flags there with banks and with infrastructure partnerships and sort of you name it. And so we, we feel that it, it is in our best interest to continue to move upstream on sort of the licensing and the infrastructure side so that we can control our own destiny as quickly as possible. And so we have fewer hurdles and barriers to being able to actually offer the products and services that we want to our users. But again, you have to start somewhere. And so we usually start with the license that is the lowest bar, but in, in most jurisdictions, you have the ability to sort of upgrade these licenses and so we're well on well uh along the way there to to doing that in some of the key markets um this is speaking from experience good luck with with the 50 state licenses in the, yeah. in the us yeah. um but listen you, you mentioned kind of partnerships there and i think that's that's been critical yeah. to to current skills journey i think it's gonna be critical to, to anybody in this space mm. of putting together this this kind of full stack um full stack banking offering yeah um, but in a lot of ways look it's a challenge but it's also a moat right and if we can get the license and get the infrastructure and control our own destiny. Um, and that certainly is going to be something that benefit benefits us in the long run as well. So we're kind of happy to do it despite it being a lot of work and, and uh, challenging. Yeah. And so how, and how much of that is kind of driven by, by the customers and the ever increasing kind of global nature of customers? Cause you mm -hmm. may have a customer that's based in the UK, but they have in mainland European operations, they might have a US operation and you want, ultimately want to, yeah, I'm guessing want to be off to service their their full requirements rather than actually. Sorry, we can only just service you in the UK. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and uh, and to do that again, it it over time will reduce the number of partnerships that we have to maintain and the number of compliance departments that we have to satisfy. You know, in order to to make the product offering and bring it all in house, simple simplify our T's and C's ultimately, right? So it's all in house and and certainly. The customer is the one who benefits in the long run there. It's really exciting. And well, this has been what, 18 months or so. Yeah, well, I would say you could say about 14, 15 months right now since we've been live. Launched in October 2020 in Canada. And uh, we just launched in the UK in November. So that's been a success so far. Combined, um, the growth has been pretty exceptional about a year ago now. I think it was in January 2021, we did under $500,000 in transactions processed. In January of this year, we processed close to $30 million in total transactions, both in the UK and in Canada combined. 
um, user base has, has been growing exceptionally well also and revenue sort of following along there as well. So sort of our key KPIs all look very healthy. Retention is strong. I mean, we're retaining users at well over 80%, or around 80% at least, you know, on uh, one month and three month retention, six month retentions are well above 70%. So we certainly seem to have a product that our users love and want to continue to interact with. And we're hoping that as we continue to expand that offering as well, you know, these numbers just continue to get better. And and on that, and this is kind of where I, I put you on your pedestal and get you a chance to kind of give the pitch, but that, that obviously speaks to a you know, very healthy product, but it also speaks to you know, a need in the market and mm-hmm. kind of a, an underserved need. So what is it that you're kind of doing that others aren't? And, and and who is it that you're kind of competing with? You know, is is it kind of traditional banks? Is it kind of other kind of narrower financial services companies? Yeah. So I, I think to start, I'd say maybe if I talk about the competition first, and then I think that helps explain what we're doing that the others aren't. And you could say yes, we're competing a little bit with traditional banks. When you step off the plane in the UK, you know, your first stop might be to go into Barclays, or your first stop might be to go into a Revolut. Once you have a bank account and you have a job and you know you start moving money into that account, well then, in almost every case, you're going to also start either sending support back home, or in a lot of instances, we see that many of our users actually have businesses that they maintain back on the continent. That doesn't necessarily mean that you know they have a brick and mortar back home, but whether they're shipping cars back home or e-commerce goods back home or leasing properties back home, they have some need to continue to interact with the continent on a pretty consistent basis and not only move money into the continent, but move money out. Because if you're now a resident of the UK, you know, you're probably going to want to spend that money in the UK as opposed to keep it in uh, sort of an inflation prone, riskier currency on the continent. And so once you're, once you have that bank account, you look for a money transmission service, whether that's, you know, a wise or a send wave or, or any of the sort of the big players that are in the space today. You also need some kind of financial institution back on the continent. Now, many people already have a bank on the continent. Um, there's actually really good banking on the continent. But once you get the money in, it's very difficult to get the money out of that bank and, and repatriate it back to you know, your new country of, of residence. And then there's the whole exchange play in between and how does that work and, and how do these interactions take place and how long do they take. And so what I just outlined there was sort of three different financial institutions that any individual may need to interact with once they are arriving in their new country of residence and how they need to then maintain their financial life to service their wants and their needs, you know, from that point forward. And so what Lemonade is doing, I think in short, is just combining those to start all into one place to allow those users to instantly and very simply, you know, interact with, um, whatever financial service needs they have, you know, in their country of residence or their country of origin. But we do also have aspirations, you know, to, and this doesn't even work if you move from the US to say Norway, but have some opportunity to have the credit history of the individual follow them from where they originate from to now where they reside to help them get that extra start and and starting their life as well. And so I think that's where we're going to see our product turn eventually once we have that core ba- set of banking services in place is, you know, how do we continue to offer value as you want to establish yourself on the continent? And I think that's when you start getting into the real differentiation beyond just the interaction with, 
you know, uh, exotic currencies is, you know, starting to differentiate yourself in the areas of lending and some of these other um, areas that are another layer of complexity, again, once you once you land in, in a new country. I guess that, that's just a growing business, right? Because of what's happened over, to the world over the last kind of few years, there's plenty more kind of you know, digital nomads and just people just moving yep. around. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I knew firsthand, I, I moved to the US um, for, for a few years and yeah, that credit history didn't come with me. Um, and it was a nightmare. So, um, well, listen, it's, it's been fascinating talking to you. I think it's been an incredible journey, even in the 14, 15 months that you've been live, you know, to get to a stage where you said you're processing $30 million in January is incredible. As I said, it, it speaks to not only the, the underserved need, but the, the product that, that you've built. Short term, what's on the kind of roadmap? What are people can, what can people look out for, for Lemonade in, you know, I'd say short term, maybe for, for 2022, what's, what's coming up? Like I said, let's get the, the core banking features in place. That'll certainly happen in 2022, hopefully by, by mid-2022. We'd also like to go live in the U.S. quite soon also. Um, that should happen early Q2, I think, at the latest. And go live in mainland Europe also. That one's right around the corner. And then I think once we're live in our, 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 those key regions, mainland Europe, U.K., Canada, and the U.S., then we look to expand our corridors also whereas now we're really only onboarding people who originate from ghana kenya and nigeria we certainly want to begin onboarding and servicing people that come from other markets and other continents as well and hopefully there's a series a in our uh in our future as well this year but uh i think that's if we can accomplish those things then that'll be a pretty good year so not a lot then so, not a lot, no. Well, no, no. um, as I said, it's been great talking to you. Where can people find out more about Lemonade and, and the work you're doing? So you can find us at lemonade.finance uh, is our website. I don't even have our Twitter handle available, but I think it's at Lemonade Finance. And if you want to reach out to myself or my co-founder, you can usually find us at founders at lemonade.finance as an email address or reach out to us on, on Twitter. I'm at um, at Cochran Ryan, last name, first name. You can become my 75th follower if uh, if you want to. <laughs> but anyway, you know, we're, we're out there. LinkedIn, Twitter, look us up. We're pretty easy to find and pretty responsive as well. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. Um, awesome work so far. Congrats on, on, on getting to where you've got to. Um, and good luck for the rest of this year and beyond. Ryan Cochran, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me as well. Cheers. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.